Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Living Savior Church today. Praise the Lord. We we did have an awesome week this week. Ty is all fired up this week. You know, he's really fired up. You know, I got tickled at one of the pastors up there. Uh, of course, he spoke some, and I spoke some, and out of all the meetings we had, and we met with lots of people, and at the, the last night, one of the pastors said, well, Thurman, you're kind of, you know, kind of reserved and quiet, and almost anybody could listen to you teach. But he said, there ain't no two ways about it. Ty, he's wild Pentecostal. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. That's the difference. See, God brought him up in a Pentecostal church. He brought me up in a Baptist church. <laughs> Lots of difference. Oh, man. But it's lots of fun seeing the diversity that God put within the body of Christ. You know, He made us all different. We have to just realize that we are all different and God made us different. He gives me some gifts. He gives you some gifts. He gives everybody gifts. We did have a great week this week. Uh, I thought a scripture that I'm going to begin with today, I thought about it many times uh, as we left here. Uh, I think about this scripture uh, in fact, let me go to this scripture first and read this scripture to you. Uh, I want you to see in James chapter 1, I want you to see this verse. And I thought about this many times in the last two weeks. And I'll tell you why as I've thought about this. James chapter 1. Let's go to chapter 1 and let's start with verse 2. James chapter 1 verse 2. The Lord says, My brethren, He's talking to you and me, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations or various trials and tests, knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Now, I'll tell you why I've thought about that so many times. Uh, a few weeks ago, I knew that, well, several months ago, I knew we were going to California this last week to teach the Word of God to a group of people. And so we had elected to, since there were so many of us going, we elected to fly our own airplane. And so it was time for an annual on the airplane. Well, I tried to get it into a place and the guy was two weeks later than I had hoped for to get it in. I told him I would only let him do it since I'm also an A&P mechanic. I told him, I said, I'll only let you do the inspection if you let me help. You know, I want to be part of this because I want to see my airplane. I want to be able to take it apart, put it back together. I want to know the airplane intimately. You know, that's the way I want to know God, intimately. And so... Uh, I wanted to know my airplane because when I pull on a lever or flip a switch, I want to know what it does. I want to know where it goes. So uh, it was a couple of weeks before we could get it in. And by this time, I'm down to about two and a half weeks before we're going to go. And I thought, man, this is going to run me close. But I said, God, you're in control. You know what you're doing. And so it came time to get it in, and we got started. And as we did, I thought, well, it should only take a week. Should be no problem. We should be through with it in a week. But when we started on it in the week, we I had a little leak in a fuel cell on the right side, and it turned out to be a massive chore to change those fuel cells. 
And again, I had to have those next day or at least a couple of days. One of them, two of the fuel cells I had, one of them they didn't have. They had to make it. And so I had to have those next day to air. And that took a few days, of course, to make it and get them in. And then it took me a while to get them put in. And I had quite a few complications that I won't even go into detail about. But I worshiped and praised the Lord about all that. Then the exhaust system was out of date. We had to send those to Minneapolis and have a new set made and then have them not only next day, same day, shipped back so I could get them on Friday because now then we're down to the Friday that I'm supposed to fly out on Tuesday. You know, and I still got to put all these exhausts on this airplane. And so I worked Friday night till late. I was back out there early Saturday morning and worked 14 hours. Some of you say, good grief, I could overhaul an engine in 14 hours. Yeah, you might on a car. But you can't put the exhaust, a dual exhaust back on a 421 no quicker than I did. I guarantee I'm as fast as you are, maybe a little faster. But I worked 14 hours of getting that done. And then I got to go home that night and study for Sunday to teach here. You know, and so I got to preach, and I know you want something. You want to be fed. And so I did that. And so when we get through Sunday, then Monday morning, I'm back out there. And then Monday, in the process, I lost a clamp that goes on the turbo. I don't know how in the world a clamp this big got misplaced, but we couldn't find it. Everybody helped me look for that clamp. And in the process of looking for the clamp, we found a broken spring on one of the wastegates on one of the turbochargers that pressurizes the airplane and the engine. And I would have never found that if I hadn't been looking so intently for that clamp. So I know God was putting me to the test in many ways. And then I had to call and have that spring overnighted so I could get it Monday morning at 9.30. Well, I got the spring and I ordered the clamp from two different places. But that morning at 9.30, we got the clamp. I mean, got the spring. Praise the Lord. I got it, and then I can put the rest of the exhaust system on because the clamps are way back up in under there. And then after I get all that, and I'm praising the king, and then finally about 11 o'clock, the clamp comes in. And this is Monday, you know. And actually, I mean, this is Tuesday by this time. This is Tuesday, and we're supposed to go out on Tuesday. So I finally get everything together and get all the cowling put back on it about 1 o'clock Tuesday afternoon. Now, we were supposed to leave at 9.30 Tuesday morning. I'm way past it, but I'm considering it pure joy. I know all these are trials and tests because I know the king says, consider all these various trials and tests pure joy. In fact, while I was putting the fuel cells in, I'm up there on my head you know, my head down and my arm down in the tank and everything else trying to put those uh, cells inside there. And a guy that I don't know walked up and he said, boy, he said, it must be going well. I said, why? He said, I don't hear any cussing. He said, most of the time when I see people putting fuel cells, there's all kinds of cussing going on. I said, but here we don't cuss. We praise God. I said, I'm praising the king. And I guarantee mine's going to go in perfect and there's not going to be any problems or no complications. Well, we finally got them all in. We got the airplane done and we, Dave and I took it out and took about a 30-minute test flight to check everything to make sure everything worked and everything appeared to work great. We came back, no oil leaks, no nothing that we could see. Everything was fine. Well, we run to the house. I called Ty and he comes running over there in his airplane so he can go with us. 
and we get everybody, we go get our suitcases, we come down, we throw everything in the airplane, we fly over to Bridgeport and over there to stop because fuel's a whole lot cheaper there. And of course, when you pull in your car and you haul 25 gallons in your car, you know, 15 or 20 cents don't mean much. But when your airplane holds 230 gallons, that's a little difference. You know, 50 cents a gallon on 230 gallons is serious money in my book. So I will fly somewhere else to fill up with fuel. You have to be very careful. And, of course, we flew. We took off then and filed an IFR flight plan. That means instrument flight rules. For those of you who don't know what that means, you have to fly by instruments. And we flew through clouds, bad weather, everything else to St. John's, uh, Arizona. And then when we come to land there, the guy was very concerned. He said, do you have the local weather? I said, yes, we have the computer on board that shows us all of that. He said, well, you need to check the AWOS, that's the aviation weather. He said, to make sure that it agrees with what you got. I said, okay, I know. I said, I realize now normally, you know, when the wind's blowing 10 or 15 miles an hour, more than 15 miles an hour, sometimes it can be tricky landing an airplane unless they're right down the runway. The winds only happened to be 40 degrees off of the heading of the runway, and the winds were only blowing at 39 knots, which is 45 miles an hour. So it made a very tricky landing. But we were able to land and get fuel, could hardly hold our hat on while we were fueling the airplane, and then we took off in that wind, and I called flight service, and the guy said, no problem from here to Lompoc, California, where we were going, which is another three hours away. He said, it's VFR. I thought, good. I won't even file IFR. We'll just go. So we took off. It's dark, just about dark now. We take off, and just as it's getting dark, I'm looking out there in front of me, and I said, Dave, we're already 14,500 feet. And I said, it doesn't look like we're going to be able to fly over those clouds. I said, I guess I better file IFR after all. So I called and told him, I said, the clouds are heavier than the, the guy told me, and they're taller, and every, it's not VFR. I said, we need to file IFR. So, okay, we filed IFR, and by the time I got the flight plan filed, we were in the thick of it. We were flying through it, and as we flew through this 30 minutes, Dave said, I hear something. It's pitch black. I said, what do you hear? He said, I don't know. It sounds like hail. And we turned the light on to look at the windshield, and we're taking on a load of ice. I said, Lord, I want to thank you and praise you for the various trials and tests. If there's ever a time you don't want to grumble, this is it. So for the next hour, we flew through. Thank goodness the airplane has de-ice boots and things on it. And every time I turned the light on down the wing, Ty said, good grief, you got a load of ice on the wing out there. And I'd flip the little switch and the little deals would waver and the pieces of ice would come off and break off. And the windshield, of course, we turned on the defroster and everything. And then Ty said, I sure am getting cold. Well, we tried to turn the heat up and the heater quit working. It's only seven below zero where we are at 14,000. But Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for these trials and tests. And then we fly out of it, finally, an hour and a half, 
so, we finally fly out of the clouds and get into a little clear weather. And I said, Lord, thank you for those trials and tests that we've made it through. And I'm grateful that it's supposed to be clear the rest of the way to Lompoc, California. Well, we flew over L.A., beautiful, clear, and everything. And then all of a sudden, the lights below us all disappeared. I know we flew back in the clouds. And all of a sudden, we hear this again. And believe it or not, in Southern California, at 12,500 feet, 12,000 feet, we're taking on another load of ice. I said, thank you, Lord, for all these various trials and tests. So then we get over there, and we finally land at 12.30 in the morning, their time, 2.30, our time. You know, now, I had started at 8 o'clock that morning and worked on that airplane all day. When everybody else is getting ready to quit for the day, we head on a trip to California. And by 2.30, our time, we get there. And we land, we tie the airplane down, and they pick us up. And next morning at 10 o'clock, we have our first meeting. All the time through that, I'm saying, Lord, I'm going to be agreeable with the Word. My brethren, count it all joy. I don't want to grumble. We all have, we in this ministry are learning that everything in life is a trial or a test for the kingdom of God. Everything you do every day, God throws various trials and tests in your way to find out how you're going to respond to the trials and tests of life. Every one of us have different kinds of trials and tests. You know, I think about Joseph. He loved God. He was serving him, and he went out to take his brothers something to eat. And what did they do to him? They was going to kill him. They was going to kill him. They throwed him in a pit. And one of the other brothers said, okay, let's don't kill him. You know, that's a pretty serious trial, right? Let's sell him. We'll get the money for him. So they sold him, and he goes to Egypt, and the first thing you know, what happens to Joseph? He didn't do nothing wrong. What happened to Joseph? He winds up in jail. Now then, it would have been a great time to say, God, and do a little grumbling and complaining, wouldn't it? But he didn't. He worshiped and praised the king. And so as he went through that, Joseph came from where he was, a little nobody, to being second in command of all of Egypt. Now, if you'd have asked somebody, hey, this kid's in jail. You think he could be anybody? No, that kid ain't never going to be nobody. He's just a dummy. He's in jail. He's, he is responsible for trying to rape the Pharaoh's wife. That's what, the, that's what the charges was. But he didn't do it. He wasn't guilty. He would have never thought he could have come from there to have been the leader of Egypt. So see, he passed his test. Now then, a whole lot of my life I have miserably failed my test. I miserably failed a lot of them. But slowly but surely, I'm getting where I'm beginning to understand what's going on on the earth. Now then, when I take a scripture like this and I think about the trials and tests we had. In fact, I'll tell you another little test we had. I, the, as we were preaching and teaching the Word out there, one of the ladies came up that night and said, Could you possibly call me at the hotel? I'm in room so-and-so. And I'd like to talk with you, my mother, and I'd like to talk to you tomorrow afternoon. I said, okay, uh, would about 4 o'clock be okay? 
She said, that'd be perfect. Okay. I said, okay, that'll give us a few minutes. You know, we don't have to be get start getting ready till about 5.30 or 6 because we leave at 6.30 or whatever, 6.45 to go over to the church to be there at 7. Well, I tried to call her. There ain't no such room. She said, I'm staying in the same hotel you're staying in. Okay. I tried to call. There ain't nobody. I'm trying everywhere. I, I, I called the front desk. I called. I tried to find her by name, everything. There ain't no such person. I thought, what did I? I walked up to the front desk. I said, you know, this lady said she was here and she was in this room. Well, she said, we don't even have room numbers that high. But said to Marriott across the street, take up room numbers that high. Maybe she's over there. I thought, okay. So I called over there and asked for a certain lady in a certain room, and she was there. And by this time, it's pretty late. I said, I'm sorry that we didn't get you. I thought you were staying in the same hotel, and I've been trying to find you, but I couldn't find you. But I said, it's pretty late now. And Cheryl said, you know, honey, it is too late. We can't possibly go over there and talk to her now and get back in time to get ready for church tonight. So we just not go. I said, no, no, we're going. I don't know what it is, but I don't know why all these trials and tests come. But, Lord, I consider all these trials and tests pure joy. So we go over there and meet with these people in the lobby. And they are just being blessed. We're talking with them. And all of a sudden, some lady, I have no idea who she is. She walks in and she says, oh, Cheryl! And she just goes there and falls all to pieces all over my wife. I'm thinking, well, who is this woman? I don't have a clue who this woman is. But she knew Cheryl. Cheryl didn't know her either. And in a few minutes, Cheryl's off over there talking to her. And in a few minutes, she comes over there and she's excited. And she said, this lady wants to make Jesus her Lord and Savior. And said, I thought I was going to get the leader. But said, I thought, I can lead you into the kingdom. She said, but I want your husband to do it. So she brings her over there and kneels right there in the hotel. And Cheryl goes over and gets another one. And it's a man and he's a Muslim. And she convicts him of sin. The Holy Spirit does. And he wants to get saved, but he wants me to do it too. So she brings it. And right there in the lobby of the Marriott Hotel, we get two people led into the kingdom of God. Now see, if we had a grumble and complaint on the way to the house, as we're leaving there, Cheryl said, Lord, I repent. I repent, Lord. I almost convicted my husband not to go. Lord, I'm glad he was listening to you. She said, Lord, I repent. Isn't that amazing? See, I mean, when you look at it in the flesh, we were too late. You know, but we wasn't too late. We was able to go over there, minister to a family, get their needs met, and bring two people into the kingdom of God right there in the lobby of the Marriott Hotel. Isn't that awesome? What did the Lord say? My brethren, this is not going to be an easy chore. I mean, you're going to have the trials and tests of life. Get used to it. You know, don't grumble and complain when the trials and tests come. What they're doing. Look what he says. These, my brethren, count it all joy. So when a trial and test comes upon you, hey, praise God. Lord, I thank you. You know. Lord, I'm having all this trouble putting these fuels nails in. Reckon I ought to cuss a little bit? No, 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 no. Not unless I want to be there a long time. <laughs> Y'all know where I'm coming from? I mean, after all of the, I mean, Dave and I, and I guess Ty was there, all of them, I'm sure. But we know, sitting up in the front, 
Dave was up there working with the computer and the maps and all that stuff, and, and he's getting us there, and we're flying out there, and we're praising God. You know, I mean, and of course, the flight going out was rough. Nearly everybody was almost this close to being sick. I mean, you know, the airplane was, it was rough. When we crossed over L.A., it finally hit a little smooth air. And I thought, oh, Lord, thank you for the smooth air. And we're flying along there, and my seatbelt is fairly snug. And all of a sudden, bam, and my head hits the top of the airplane. And I think, oh, Lord. And little John Becker's standing back, what's the next one? Let me have one. He's standing, he's wanting them. (laughs) Doesn't that sound like a little kid? He's having fun. The rest of us are about half sick in our stomach, you know, from all the bumps and downs and bouncing and everything. Lord, thank you for all the various trials and tests. Let me tell you, we had them. But we praised him and worshipped him all the way out there. And then we got up the next morning, and I mean the last morning, Saturday morning, after we administered to people, and walked outside the hotel, and the most beautiful day, just like it is outside here, most awesome, beautiful day. You can see the mountains, a beautiful day in, in California. I thought, thank you, Jesus. Going to be a great trip back. We drive 20 miles where the airplane is, and you can't see the back wall for the fog. I mean, as thick as soup. I said, Lord, thank you for another trial. Went in and filed IFR. Went out and got on the end of the runway, and I said, what, when I called them, I said, what frequency can I reach you on the ground for my clearance? They give me a frequency, 124.15. I tried everything to get a hold of those people on the ground. I couldn't get nobody. They could hear me, but I couldn't hear them. I didn't know they could hear me. I thought, okay, I filed IFR. I pulled out on the end of the runway, and we took off. I mean, just as soon as we cleared the ground, maybe 100 feet, we're up in, in that thick stuff. I, all of a sudden, that controller said, 2957, come back. Do you read me yet? I said, I got you. I said, praise God. He said, okay. He said, I got you on the radar. I said, you're okay. And I went on up about, oh, I don't know, maybe a thousand feet high. And I mean, it's so thick, you can't see nothing. We're flying right through that stuff, and all of a sudden, bam! We're going to the east, and that sun is right there. We popped out of that stuff, and that sun was so bright in my face, I couldn't see nothing. And then you could see the mountains. You could see everything, and it was a beautiful trip back. We flew all the way back and landed at St. John's, Arizona to get fuel. It was a beautiful day, a three-mile-an-hour wind, nothing blowing, perfect. And then we get left there and come all the way back to Dallas on a beautiful trip all the way back. No grumbling and complaining going out. We considered all the various trials and tests, which we had many on the way back. He gave us a blessed trip. Smooth, hardly hit a bump all the way back. Huh? Oh, yes. And he gave us a great 50 mile an hour tailwind coming back. There was times we were doing 250, 260 miles an hour coming back. We really came back. I'm telling you, it was a blessed trip. So consider, listen to what he's saying here. We don't do this very well. I didn't. A lot of years of my life. But my brethren, count it all joy. All joy. When you fall into various trials and tests. Many of you will fall into trial and tests with your mate. Today, something will happen. Someone will say something. And you know, when something happens between you and your mate, don't both of you go there. When the trial and test comes, one of you, 
One of you serve God. One of you consider it pure joy. One of you walk up. I don't care if she's struggling and pushing back and mad as she can be, or if it's the same way with you. Reach up, put your arm around her, look right now and say, Honey, thank you, God, for another trial and test. We're going to make it through this one and see if it don't change what's going on. Because, see, it's a trial and test. But he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into these various trials and tests knowing that the trying of your faith... Who's trying your faith? God. Well, God is. He's the one that's behind all of this. Sure, the devil will be there to be the one to do it, but God is the ultimate one in control. He's the one that's putting you to the test. He's a CEO that's saying, go put Michael to the test. Michael, we don't like that, do we? But the king, look what he says happens... Knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience. When I learned that years ago, I learned that. I used to pray for patience. No more. No more. I ain't prayed for patience in years. Because <laughs> that just compounds my trials and tests. <laughs> Knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Or produces patience, but let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect. Do you want to be perfect in the Lord? Hey, I do. I want to be perfect in Jesus Christ. I want to be perfect. So to get there earnest, we've got to go through our trials and tests. Ain't nobody going to get there. He's no respecter of persons. He's not going to make it any harder on me than He is on you. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Knowing that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Now then, He says, if any of you lack wisdom through all of this, if any of you lack wisdom, you can ask of God. And He will give to all men liberally or freely. Upbraideth not. And it shall be given unto you. That's how much God loves you. But now this is where faith kicks in. Look what he says next. But let him ask in faith. Now that doesn't just mean for wisdom. That means anything you ask God for. He's a faith God and there ain't nothing moves his hand after obedience except faith. You can come to him and do all kinds of things. But if you don't ask in faith, you're going to get nothing. Now, I lived there far too many years of my life. I lived in a world that was there was no faith. You could have asked me, do you have faith? I could have said, absolutely. But I didn't know what it meant. Had no clue. Had no clue what it meant to really walk in faith. But let him ask in faith. In other words, according to the Word of God. Standing on the promises of God. That's how you ask in faith. You find a promise in God's Word that says you can have what you want. And then you stand on it with no doubt in your heart. Because he says, and after you ask, it shall be given. But after you ask in faith, he says you cannot waver at all. You ask for God to do something for you, and then you say, well, I sure hope that worked. Forget it. You just canceled it. It ain't going to work for you. It would have worked for you until you said that. But when you said that, it don't work no more. You have to ask in faith, nothing wavering, right? Nothing. I mean, this is what the king says. For he that wavers, 
is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Isn't that amazing? Do you want to be a double-minded person? How are you going to get to be a single-minded person? Have the mind of Christ. That's exactly right, Eldon. When you, that's Ty was, he was uh, discussing that a while ago, the mind of Christ. Until we have the mind of Christ, you cannot be single-minded. You will be double-minded. You'll go by what you see. You, 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 in other words, the other night when we were flying along there, if you go by what you see, and you're flying in pitch black at night, and it's raining and freezing, and you're taking on a load of ice, if you're an engineer by trade and a pilot like I, you know that there's going to come a time in a few minutes, depending on how heavy that is, that that airplane ain't going to fly. They don't fly with ice well at all. Thank goodness for de ice boots. I'm grateful. I used to fly airplanes, some of them, that didn't have de ice boots, and I would have been in trouble. I even finally asked the controller, is it okay, can I descend from 14 to 12? Maybe there won't be quite as much ice. He said, sure, if you're picking up ice, he said, descend. So I descended to 12,000. It wasn't quite as bad as 12 as it was at 14. See? But you don't go by what you see. You go by this book. You go by God promised to watch over me and protect me. He's sending me to California to preach, and He plans for me to get there. It's amazing the trials and tests we had. The many various trials and tests. I don't even have time to tell you all the various trials and tests we had. But it was a great trip. And we saw God do some awesome things. One of the men we prayed for the second night that we was there, he came up to me and said, Pastor, I've got a herniated disc for years in my back. And I'm in excruciating pain. I reached around and laid my hand on his back and said, you got all your sins repented? I do. I said, you believe He'll heal you? He said, I do. I said, that's faith. And I asked the Father in Jesus' name to heal his back. That was probably, I don't know, 11 o'clock at night, something like that. 5 o'clock the next morning, he's calling, screaming, I am healed. I have no back pain. I am totally, completely healed. You know, when you see God do these kind of things, you know, oh, we praise and worship the King for what He done. And then, of course, there's one girl that had ovarian cancer. She had been given her death sentence. Cervical cancer. Terminal cervical cancer. And she came up and we found all of her sins, got them all repented of, prayed the prayer of faith for her, and immediately her pain, which she'd had for months and months and months, went away. And I didn't know until the next night that when she came back the next night, she came up and gave her testimony. She said, not only have I had no pain, she said, I've been bleeding continuously for eight months, I think she said. Six months. And she said, since you prayed for me last night, to tonight, right now, she said, I have absolutely no more blood. My blood has stopped. That's what I say. Praise the King. Glory to God. We serve a mighty, awesome God. You know? So, look at what the Lord says here. Look what He says. My brethren... Count it all joy. When you go through these various trials and tests, count it all joy. Now then, I realize that is difficult to do. 
but you can do it. And if you do it, and you consider it all joy, and then ask Him for the guidance and direction, ask Him for wisdom, or whatever you need, when you ask in faith according to the Word, He will do it for you because He's raising you to a new level of faith. Now then, in this praying, and as we ask the Lord, let's go to James 5.16, and I want you to see what the Lord says here. James 5.16 is another place that God tells you that sin is what brings your sickness. Because look what he said, the very first word in James 5.16, confess your sins one to another. And pray one for another that you may be healed. Is that what he said? If that's what he said, don't you think he knows what he's talking about? So anytime you go to pray for someone, the first thing you need to do, ask them, have you got all your sins confessed? Have you repented of everything you've done that's wrong? Are you walking in obedience to God's Word? As Dave says, how's your quiet time with God? You having trouble getting healed? How much time do you spend with God this week? You're not spending any time with God? I mean, the intimacy with God is what's going to set you free. It's what's going to give you revelation. He's going to give you things. He's going to bless you. If you don't have that quiet time with God, if you're not spending time reading His Word, listening to His Word on CDs, you drive down the road, you know, watching Him on DVD, whatever, when you're at home. They got the Bible on everything today. You know, CD, DVD, cassettes, you, you videotapes, you name it. You can get the Bible on everything. Listen to it. Listen to it over and over and over. You know, I mean... Let meditate on the Word. I, the other day, I, I put a CD in my player that, and had the book of Galatians. Of course, only five little chapters. I listened to that from, chap, from track 18 was where it started. And right up through five of those, I'd listen to they get to the end. And I'd back it up to ch- chapter 1 and, and I'd listen to it again. I must have listened to Galatians chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5 six or eight times in, in just three or four days. Over and over and over. And I'm trying to meditate on that. I'm listening. There's great and awesome things in there that only God can reveal to you. But he says here, when we pray, first of all, he says, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. Because look what the next line says. The effectual, not the kind of flippant prayer, effectual, fervent prayers of a wicked man avails much. That's not what he said, was it, Michael? I must have misread that one, huh? What, is it, what does it take to classify you as wicked? You're a son of God. Somebody says, well, I can't be wicked. Oh, yes, you can. Let's say that you're a son of God and you got every sin repented of and you're driving down the road and somebody almost runs over you and you say a bad word. I was riding down the road with a Christian man here a while back. We were talking about God's Word, and a man nearly run over us. And this man, the word GD came out of his mouth. I said, I said, Sir, Lord, we repent. He said, well, what's wrong? I said, you just took the Lord's name in vain. You want to get me killed? I said, he said in his word, 
Well, anybody that takes my name in vain, that sin will not go unpunished. And I said, I might be in the car with you when the accident happens. And I said, Lord, I want, I repent for what he just did in the name of Jesus. Now that man had, in one heartbeat, became from a cleansed, purified son of God to a wicked man. He was not righteous anymore. He was wicked. And God sat right there. He became a sinner. He just sinned. He broke God's law. He busted the Ten Commandments. And if you break one of the laws, how many are you guilty of breaking? All. Every one of them. I said, Lord, I repent for him. Well, he said, I didn't realize the importance. I said, hey, that's just like while we were out there, I taught a little bit on Romans 13 about obeying the laws of the land. And I said, you know, I had, I've had people in my church say so I could never get a prayer answered. I didn't realize. I used to speed everywhere I went. Only 5, 10, 15 miles an hour above the speed limit. But I had a radar detector. I never got a ticket. But when I heard Thurman preach on that, I stopped speeding. I asked God to forgive me, and he started answering my prayers. I had one man tell me, he said, I never got a prayer answered until I started driving the speed limit. He said, after that, God started answering my prayers. The next night, I had one of the pastors come up. He said, I had a personal record from Los Angeles where I work to my home of two hours and one minute driving in a car. He broke every rule in the book to do that. Two hours and one minute. He said, I very rarely ever looked at my speedometer, but after hearing Thurman preach the other night and teach on that, he said, I just look at my speedometer regular now. Now see, do you think the Holy Spirit wants you to obey the laws of the land? Of course He does. He commanded you to in the book of Romans 13. Now then, do you want your prayers answered? The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person, man or woman, availeth much. If you want God to answer your prayer, you've got to obey His rules. If you will, then great things can begin to happen. I want you to turn back to Romans chapter 4. I want to take a few minutes over here in Romans. I want to show you something. Romans 4. I want to read verse 17, Romans 4:17. Now, when you learn about prayer and how you can pray and pray effectively by praying fervently, and somebody said, well, if I prayed once, that's all I need to pray. No, that's not necessarily true. You know, I mean, I remember when God brought Cheryl and I together, she had a bad knee. I think it was her left knee. She had injured it years ago uh, riding a bike uh, in a, a health club. And her foot had slipped off and knocked the kneecap off. And she had had a problem with that knee for years. Sixteen years she would had a problem with that knee. Well, after we got married, she'd bend down or she'd do something, get on the floor. And she'd get up and that knee'd swell, have all kinds of problems. I said, well, honey, let me pray over it. I'd pray over the knee and ask the Lord to make it normal. And a lot of times within minutes it would go back in place and it would not hurt anymore for another week or two, and then it'd do it again. And so I prayed again, and again, and again. And it took me anywhere from one to three times a month for about eight months, the first eight months we were married. And after eight months, her knee was completely healed. She had no more trouble with that knee since then. So, hey, effectual, fervent prayers 
Don't despair with something one time and say, well, it didn't work. Or it worked for 15 minutes or a week and then it went away. So I guess it wasn't God's will. Yeah, it was His will. He wants His children to be well. He doesn't want you to be sick and afflicted, but He's putting you to the test. Now then, God was putting Cheryl and I to the test to see if we were going to be persistent and stay in holiness and not grumble and complain about that knee when it started hurting again in a week or two weeks, saying, oh, honey, come over quick, pray for my knee again, it's hurting again. I believe that Jesus wants to heal my knee. I know He wants to heal my knee. Instead of this, some people say, oh, well, it didn't work. I didn't really think it was going to work anyway. You know, God, He's sovereign. Sometimes He does, sometimes He doesn't. You don't know the Word. Don't have a clue what you're talking about. But that's the average Christian that I run into today. But after eight months of fervently, effectively praying over her leg, I got that leg completely healed. Now, for the last two years, she's had no problem with that leg. You know, no problem with it. it. It works good. Then look, what, then look what it says here in Romans chapter 4, verse 17. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Of course, he's talking to Abraham right there. Before, whom, before him whom he believed, even God, who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. Now then, in whose image did God make you? That's what he said, wasn't it, Ernest? When he made you, he made you in his image. Now then, if he can call things that be not into existence in the whole galaxy, he's limited your power to this earth. But you can change by prayer and speaking the Word of God. You can change your environment and everything where you live. But it don't work if you grumble and complain. When these various trials and tests come upon you, you have to consider each one of them pure joy and then have to pray over them effectively and fervently. And then you have to start saying, Lord, thank you. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Nothing is impossible with me because it is written. Jesus said, if I have faith, nothing is impossible with me. Is that what he said, Ernest? If the king said that, then if we ain't living there, there's something wrong with me and you, not with him, right? It's always you and me. So we need to start saying the right things. You need to start speaking, Lord, thank you, you know, that this is perfect in the name of Jesus. Lord, I can fix this. I can do this. I can lead people to Jesus. Somebody says, I'd love to be able to teach God's Word, but I just can't do it. Have you ever heard somebody say that? Yes, I've been guilty of that. When I was a young man, I was teaching an engineering class here in Dallas for one of the airlines, one of the major airlines at the time. And I was going to church up Lakeland Baptist Church, and the church administrator came up to me and said, Thurman, I've been praying for a couples class teacher, and your name keeps coming up. I believe you need to be the Sunday school teacher for this little couples class. I said, well, now I know God ain't supposed to make no mistakes. But if it's my name he put in there, he missed it this time. Now, see, I didn't have no faith, did I? Didn't have a snot, a smidgen of faith. 
He said, well, why don't you go home and pray about this? So I went home and agonized over this, you know, <laughs> next to God. I'm supposed to teach a Sunday school class. God, I don't know nothing about this book. He said, I know. That's why I'm going to put you to the test and teach it so you'll learn something. <laughs> See, he knew how lazy I was. He knew I had a whole lot rather be out playing and funning and gaming. He knew I'd rather be out fishing and out the lake on Saturday morning instead of being in the Word. You know, if I if I don't have a demand here for Sunday morning to teach, hey, on Saturday I can take off a day. I might even be able to sleep in. I might even be able to get up at five o'clock, run out and catch me a bunch of crappie. You know, have a good time, clean them and eat them and all that stuff, and then go back to bed and sleep a couple hours. You know, no big deal. But if tomorrow I know I got to walk in a class with ten people and I got to teach for an hour, hey, I'm in agony. God, I can't do this. How am I going to do this, Lord? He said, first thing you got to do is trust me. Next thing you've got to do is count it pure joy that I've given you this privilege to be called into this realm. The next thing you need to do is get into some effectual, fervent praying, seeking me, and asking me for wisdom and knowledge and understanding how to do this. And if you will, I'll give it to you. You don't get it nowhere else except from me. You come to me. He said, I'll give it to you. And then he says, you've got to learn to say the right things. The power of the tongue. I can teach that class, Lord. I know you can fill me with your Holy Spirit, and I know I can teach that class. I know there ain't nothing impossible with me and you. All I got to do is die and get out of the way and let you have it. That's all I got to do. Lord, so I know I can do it in the name of Jesus. And, you know, I found out in the business world, so I begin to learn these things. I begin to learn that the lack of prayer ruined my whole day. Think about that. I get up in the morning and think, I can do this today. I have no problems. I know I can do this. And I'd fail. It wouldn't go right. Things wouldn't work right. I'd waste the whole day. And when I got home that day, I was exhausted and didn't accomplish nothing. I know none of y'all have ever done that but me. But I've worked hard and come home and be tired and wore out. And I didn't accomplish a thing, but I was wore completely out. So the next day I said, Lord, maybe we ought to do this your way. Maybe I need to wake up in the morning praising you. Maybe I need to ask you, Lord, to order my steps. Maybe I need to ask you to guide me by the Holy Spirit. Maybe I need to ask you to bless everything I do today and give me knowledge and wisdom and revelation and may your Holy Spirit guide me in everything I do. And I know, Lord, that today I'm going to call things into existence that were not. Things are going to become. I'm going to do a great and awesome job for you. And I'm going to produce great fruit for the kingdom of God. And Lord, if there's anybody out there that needs to be saved, you bring them to me in a workplace and I'll talk to them about Jesus. Anybody out there that needs to be healed, Lord, you bring them to me and I'll lay hands on them and I know you're going to heal them in the name of Jesus. And I started saying those things. And I started teaching those things. In fact, when I first started believing this and teaching this, some of my brethren in the church I was associated with thought, this guy, he's lost it. He's lost it. I mean, he can't call things into existence that are not there. But I believed I could. I believed I could do great things. I believe I could build buildings. I believe I could design equipment. I said, God, I need 
Father, in the name of Jesus, I need wisdom how to design this building. I need knowledge and wisdom how to build this building. I need favor with men of, of how to do things in the name of Jesus. And let me tell you, I've seen him give me favor in building projects that were beyond your wildest dreams. Same thing. I mean, the Holy Spirit. I can think one night, I, I was building an engine in my spare time. I had a little shop at home and I loved to work on cars. So I, I would work on some people's, most of them from the church. I was working on one of the guy's car. He had needed a major overhaul on his engine. I used to do things like that. I had this engine tore down, and I'd done a complete major overhaul. And I was putting it back together, putting the pistons in it, the rods, the rod bearings, everything, and tightening, torquing all the rods. And I got the last two rods in, and I got them just barely snugged up, and a guy walked in, friend, across the street about 10 o'clock at night. He said, would you check my car? I said, okay. So I went out there, and I messed with him for an hour, hour and a half. And then I thought, okay, I got through with him. I went back over and looked, and I thought, okay, I finished that. I put the pan on it, put the gasket, put the seals, put the bolts in it, everything, bolted it down. By this time, it's about 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. I said, okay, I'll go take a shower and go to bed. Went to the house, took a shower, went to bed. I don't know, 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, bing, woke up wide awake. You forgot to torque those last two rods. Who do you think that was talking to me? Holy Spirit. Did he want me to put that job out and run it for a few hours and the rods come loose and tear up a complete engine? No. I was obedient to him. The next morning I got up, went out there, pulled that pan back off that thing, and sure enough, them last two rods was only barely cinched down snug. They had to run a while, but they wouldn't have run long. So I retorqued every bolt in that engine, and I put it back together. I, just, I had an experience, awesome experience, just like it just the other day. I've told you all about it, and it could have been life-threatening. I changed the oil and filter on Ty's new airplane, put a new oil filter on it. And a bunch of us talking, having fun. I screwed the filter on and forgot to tighten it. I just hand snugged it up by hand. And, I mean, you know, we got talking a little while to come back. So, oh, I got safety wire that. So I safety wired the oil filter and everything, filled it up with oil, leak checked it, didn't leak nowhere. Him and his son and grandson got in the airplane and flew off into the wild blue. In the middle of the night, the Holy Spirit woke me up and said, Son, you forgot to tighten the oil filter on Ty's airplane. I mean, I called him the next morning and said, Ty, Ty, you got to have an oil filter checked. He said, I mean, it ain't leaking a drop. I said, I don't care. The Spirit told me it ain't tight. Amen. So he went and got a mechanic or a guy or whatever, and he went out there, and it was just hand snug. Yep. In fact, I got tickled what he said when I called him. He said, Ah, oh, you tightened. I said, No, I didn't tie. No, I didn't. So he called me in a couple hours. He said, hey, Thurman, this is Ty. I said, what? He said, I'm on my way past Jupiter to heaven. I just died. <laughs> I said, you lied to me. You're talking to me on your cell phone. <laughs> but see, you see what the Holy Spirit will do for you when you do it God's way. Now, He's no respecter of persons. He does not want His children hurt. And when you, as a human being, forget to do something, He will remind you because He's in you. And then once, once you hear that voice, I, I didn't hear an audible voice. I did, he just, it's like He just spoke to my mind. Son, you forgot to tighten Ty's oil filter. And I thought, did I? Lord, I remember screwing that thing on. I thought, okay, Lord, I really don't remember putting a wrench on it. So I said, there ain't one thing me to do, and that's call Him and tell Him. And, of course, he had it checked. And sure enough, it was just barely snug enough not to leak. 
Isn't that, a, isn't that wonderful that we got a Holy Spirit that teaches us? Amen. He saves our life. He does not. Now, you've got to learn to be led by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit, that's the best thing you can have. You know, every morning when you wake up, the first thing you do after you praise and worship the King, you say, Lord, in today, this morning, before I get out of this house, fill me to overflowing with Your mighty Holy Spirit. And give me the knowledge and wisdom. And as I yield myself to You, I know my mouth will speak things into existence. And you know what you'll do? You'll be driving down the road and say, Lord, thank You that I'm blessed. Thank You, Lord, that I'm healed. Thank you, Lord, that you wore my sickness, removed my disease. I ain't never going to be sick again. Thank you, Lord, that I have great knowledge and wisdom from your word. Thank you, Lord, that I'm prosperous and successful. Thank you, Lord, that every need I have is met. Every bill is paid for. Somebody said, you are crazy. You owe money here and here and here. I said, yeah, but they're all paid off. The king said, let the poor say they're rich. So, Lord, I'm saying I'm rich. And the king, if you say that and say it in faith, he will move on somebody's heart to pay your bill. He will meet your needs. You know, I mean, I've heard Ty say a lot of times, and he really didn't even know these principles. He was just a young boy. He said, Lord, when he was growing up, he said, I'm going to be a doctor. And I'm going to be rich, and I'm going to be prosperous and successful, and I'm going to retire until I'm 55. And he said that over and over and over, and guess what? It happened. You know, how many people do you know that said, oh, well, I know I'll never be prosperous. You hear Christians talk like that? I know I'll never be successful. I guess God don't love me. Well, you're speaking the wrong things. You ain't saying what the Word says. You say what the Word says, and I guarantee God will bless you. He can't keep from blessing you. It's yours. Now then, I want to turn to Psalms chapter 2. got just a few places. Now, we're going to take communion today. Uh, but I want you to go to Psalms 2, and I want to show you when he says, Call things that be not as though they were. I was reading this this morning in Psalms chapter 2. Did I say Psalms 2? I did, didn't I? Yeah, Psalms 2. Psalms 2. And I'm reading through here. And I want to show you what the Lord says here. And then I want to show you what He laid on my heart as He's talking here in Psalms chapter 2. Ask of me. Think about what He's saying now in Psalms chapter 2, verse 8. Ask of me, in other words, you ask God, and I will give you the heathen for your inheritance. And the uttermost parts of the earth for your procession. What's God willing to give you? Technically speaking, anything you ask Him for. Or if you say ask and He'll give you the heathen, let me tell you, many of you in this room, that are Christians have got children or grandchildren that are disobedient. They're heathens. If you get on your face and you effectually, fervently, after you've studied the Word, make Him number one in your life and have an intimate walk with God, you come 
after you learn how to do all these things, and you ask him, I, Lord, I ask you to give me that son, that grandson, that, that nephew, or whatever. I ask you to give them to me for an inheritance. I ask you to bring them into the kingdom of God and save them and fill them with the Holy Ghost. Or just a neighbor. Anybody. If you're walking in obedience to His Word, He says you can call things that be not as though they were. So you say, you don't look at the circumstances. You say, Lord, thank you that my son is a great young man. He may be the biggest heathen you've ever seen at this point. But you start saying, after you serve God obediently, say, Lord, thank you that my daughter is cleaned up on drugs. She stopped living with those other boys. You're going to purify her and make her holy. Lord, thank you that my son is a great young man of God. Thank you, Lord. He's a great preacher. And he's a heathen at this point. Lord, I thank you. But you've got to do it in faith after you walk in obedience to his word. If you'll do that, what did he say he'll give you? He'll give them to you, even the whole world, as your possession. See, now most of us don't even begin to think that big. Most of us don't even begin to think. In fact, I read an article one time that a person wrote. They told me about this. They said, we, we thought we would test something. We put a job description in the newspaper and advertised for a job. And this job, the description we wrote, we said, and the job pays $35,000 a year. They said we had like 5,000 applicants for the job. People called. He said about six months later, we ran the same ad. This time, we, the same ad. Only this time, the pay was $90,000 a year. He said, we only had a few hundred call. He said about six months later, we ran the same exact ad. And it said the job pays 250000 So we had three people call about it. You know why? We don't think we're worthy of that kind of money. Now, 35000 that's average. We see ourselves as an average person. Now, okay, God, maybe I can handle a $35,000 a year job, you know. But a $90,000 a year job, oh, man, you know, God, man, that's, that's, that's kind of awesome. But a quarter of a million a year, for me, forget that. I could never handle a job like that. Same job description. See, we don't see ourselves worthy. How many people do we pray for? I'm not worthy to be healed. Yes, yeah, Cheryl just said lots. She knows. And how many people do we see, especially women, when you say, do you love yourself? You know what that answer is, don't you, Ernest? Yeah. No, we don't love ourselves, no. I mean, you know, why don't you love yourself? Well, I mean, i got a little mold here on my cheek. Or, you know, i got a few wrinkles right here. You know, I, maybe I've had a chin tuck. Or maybe I had a tummy tuck and I could lose 20 pounds. Maybe I could lose myself then. Maybe I could love myself then. Maybe. Isn't that amazing? And we look at the outward appearance. As to whether we love ourselves. Hey, God, thank goodness, He don't look on the outward man. He looks on your heart. And He loves you. And He expects you to love Him. And He expects you to love you. He went to great lengths to make you. And if you don't love yourself, then just like I've said many a time, you reach up and slap God in the face and say, you didn't do a very good job on me, God. 
I don't think that makes the king happy, do you? No, I know it doesn't. Now then, when you go to the next place, I've got just a couple more little things we're going to go. Uh, Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. I want you to turn to Colossians 4. I had a whole, a whole lot more scriptures today, but uh, we're going to take communion and we won't have time. Uh, so I want to just, but I want to, do want to cover this one last verse. I'll put the rest of them in another message at another day. Verse 4, chapter 4, verse 1. Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Now think about what he just said in Colossians chapter 4. Treat others like you want to be treated. Give unto them that love and what they're, what's due them, because you got a master in heaven, and as you give or as you meet people's needs in whatever or however you do this, He's going to return that back to you with the same measure you use. Think about that. And then look what he says. Continue in prayer. Is that pretty difficult to do? I find it not near as hard as it used to be. Continue in prayer. Now, you know, here's something I learned this message. I learned this from Andrew Womack. He said, I used to have a 15-minute prayer time every morning with God before I started making my radio shows and all that stuff. I'd just get up and worship Him and praise Him. So somebody came to me one day and said, Andrew, how much time do you spend in prayer in the morning before you make these radio shows? He said, oh, about 15 minutes. He said, what? I can't believe that. A man of God like you ought to spend at least an hour. So he said, I got thinking about that. Okay, God, maybe I do. So he said, I'd get on my knees and I'd pray for an hour. I'd set my clock one hour. He said, I'd pray for an hour. He said, I did that for weeks. I don't know how many weeks he did that. One day he said, I'm here praying. I'm about halfway through this. He said, God, I ain't enjoying this no more. He said, the Lord said, I ain't enjoying it either. <laughs> I heard Andrew say that at one of his media. I ain't enjoying it either, son. You used to praise me and worship me. I enjoyed that 15 minutes, but when it became a ritual, he said, no longer. I don't enjoy it either. And he didn't either. So he said, I quit it. And then I just done it whenever, however God led me by the Spirit. See, when you start, when you start putting prayer down, say, okay, God, let's sit down to the table. Bless this food, Father, in Jesus' name. Bless me and my, and no more in Jesus' name. Bam, it's done. Okay, let's eat. No, that ain't the way you're supposed to pray. However the Spirit leads you. You know, as you bow before Him, if he's, if you quote that kind of a prayer, that's good. But tomorrow, the next day, you might quote, say, Lord, thank you for this food. In Jesus' name, bam, we eat it. Next day, you may pray for 20 minutes. You know, you don't know. Somebody's sitting there thinking, good grief, is he ever going to get through? Are we going to eat or not? <laughs> but see, when you do it God's way, He'll bless it. And he says, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. As we pray and worship the Lord, don't forget to thank Him. 
He is worthy of our thanksgiving. You want to run a company or an operation and see God bless it? You start praying with your employees every morning. In fact, when I was out there at Sky Shift, I opened every morning with a prayer meeting. At first, the guys had a real problem with this. They ain't never had a boss like me. Never. A Bible thumper. Oh, gosh, I'm going to find me another job. Hair stands up on the back of their neck when I'm praying. Somebody walks down the hall. They say, oh, what are people going to think? And they're looking here and he's praying. But the first time I prayed over a woman in the cafeteria at 7 o'clock in the morning, she was instantly, totally, completely healed from the top of her head to the bottom of her feet. That changed the way everybody looked at my prayer walk. I remember Dan Robertshaw, one of my leads, the one that thought, Oh, God, I'm going to have to get me another job. i got a Bible-thumping boss. He went to church sometimes. But after that, I'll never forget the day he walked into my office after that lady was completely healed. Little, precious little daughter of the king. Had no knowledge of these wonderful things. God allowed me to pray over her right in the cafeteria in front of all them people. And I did it real simple. She had carpal tunnel in both hands and all kinds of other things wrong with her. This is all I could see, but I knew that. And I laid hands on her, laid my spoon down, reached up and laid. I said, when I said, what's wrong with you, Edith? She said, well, I've got carpal tunnel in both arms. I said, what can they do about it? Oh, she said, I'm 64 years old. And she said, at my age, nothing. But I said, I, they give me a bunch of medicine. I'm so dizzy, I can't hardly work. But I've got to work at least one more year before I can retire and get enough Social Security I can even afford to live. I said, how would you like for Jesus to heal you? Wow. She said, I'd love it. I said, come over here to my table. Now, there was about 40 people in the cafeteria that morning. I was sitting right in the middle. And everybody was talking, laughing, until I said, how would you like for Jesus to heal you? It got very quiet in the cafeteria. She walked over to my table and said, I would love it. And I just laid my spoon down, reached up and laid one hand on her and held the other. And I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, according to Mark 16, 18, you told me to lay hands on this woman you'd heal her. I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, do a complete healing on this woman, top of her head to the bottom of her feet. I said, it's done. Thank you, Lord. Bam. Just like that, right in front of everybody. He took away her pain. Her dizziness went away. And she started jumping around and screaming, I don't have any pain. I'm healed. I just went back and... Eat myself. <laughs> Isn't it awesome to see God do these kind of things? Amen. The effectual, fervent prayers of a righteous man avails what? Much. All you got to do is serve Him and love Him and worship Him. He's there to do great things for you. Be a vessel unto honor. A vessel that when the Master needs to use you, He can. Don't be the filthy vessel. Don't be the one that's made out of wood, hay, and stubble. Don't be the one that He says, I'd love to use you, but you're not cleaned up and pure. And when people see you, they don't see me. I can't use you. I'm sorry. Your faith don't work. You're not walking in love. You just came from downstairs talking evil about a man. To five people, they all heard you. I'm sorry I can't use you. Walk holy. Walk in my love. Walk in my grace. Walk in my mercy. And treat everybody with love and respect. Treat them all the same. 
No difference. No difference. And he said, then, when I have a need, like he did for little Edith that morning, he said, I will use you for my glory. Everybody in that place knew I didn't heal that wall, but they knew it was Jesus. Amen. When Dan Robert Shaw come walking downstairs about an hour later, he come running up to me. This guy that the hair stood up on his neck every time we prayed, that he said, I got a Bible thumping boss. I got to find me another job. He come walking in my office and he walked up there like a soldier, stood straight and erect, said, Mr. Schrimner. I said, yes, Dan. He said, Edith was healed. I said, well, yeah. I've been telling you all Jesus is the healer. You just didn't believe me. He said, I know you and I know that woman. And that woman don't have no pain. I've been up here talking to her the last hour. There ain't nothing wrong with her. I said, well, Dan, it's only Jesus, the King of kings. The Lord of lords and the God of gods. He's a mighty God. I said, He'd love to do the same thing with you. But you're going to have to change a lot of things in your life before He can use you. But let me tell you, from that day forth, that one little miracle, God went through sky shifts. He changed that place. He changed men's and women's life. I mean, everything changed in that place. Just one little miracle. They all knew the king was there that day. I could walk into a room, and if there was any kind of profanity going on, all I'd do is just walk in and everything changed. One day I was in a meeting, and one of the little 25 managers, that's a big place. We've done $100 million a year in sales out there. It was a pretty big place. I was in a meeting with 25 managers and supervisors and everything one day, and one of the ladies over on the other side, she made a statement to one of the managers up front at the table, and I was sitting way over here this side across. And she said, you know, I wonder what in the hell that woman was talking. Oh, see, what, what I, and when she said, hey, this guy's about half. She said, Thurman, will you forgive me? Hey, why did she not say that to nobody else in the room? Because she knew where I walked. She knew where I walked. And she immediately repented and slapped her hand over her mouth. Didn't quite get the word out. Almost. Will you forgive me? Of course. See, that's the way every one of us needs to walk. That they see Christ in you, the hope of glory. And when you walk in His power and His grace and His love, He'll use you as a vessel of honor for His glory. You'll get to lay hands on the sick and see them get healed. You'll get to speak and your world will change. You'll get to call things into existence that didn't exist. You'll be able to call finances into existence that never existed. You can call all kinds of things into existence. Those Scriptures we talked about this morning is the whole thing wrapped up in one little bitty nutshell. It'll work for you if you'll be obedient to do what He said. Remember, Trials and tests, count them joy. When you're put to a test, and of course many people, spouses, are put to the test. Like I say, both of us need to get a hold of the fact what we're going through. And whenever one says something to the other one, if they even say anything that's derogatory whatsoever, instead of going where the devil wants us to go, well, just walk over and put our arm around our spouse, look at her and say, you know, I sure do love you. 
You know, this last night after working and flying yesterday all day and everything, I got to tell you this. This will be funny. I come in last night. I studied till two o'clock this morning. I went to bed. I was too tired to take a shower. <laughs> Cheryl worked on bookkeeping until I don't know what time. I don't know what time she went to bed. Five or six, I guess, this morning. She was working on. We've been out of town a week. She had a lot of stuff to catch up on. She worked all night. This morning in the wee hours, she went to bed. And when she got two or three phone calls this morning, and so I was laying there awake, and she looked over and she says, Honey, I sure do love you. <laughs> I said, I love you too. But she said, I turned over this morning, and you were laid back on the arm like this. <laughs> she said, You didn't smell very good. <laughs> she told me she loved me first. <laughs> I said, I love you too, honey. I said, I was so tired last night when I went to bed after all those hours of everything I did yesterday, flying back from California and the study. Go. I said, I just couldn't take a shower. But I said, don't worry, I will this morning. So, praise God, I did. God, I'm talking a good shower this morning. <laughs> but you notice she said, when she, I love you. <laughs> when she turned over there, my arm was up like this. She turned right in my armpit. She said, wow, you didn't smell very good. <laughs> Oh, but I love you anyway. No matter what you smell like, I love you anyway. Praise the Lord. Now, see, that's true love, isn't it? That's true love. And that's the way we should be. Father, I thank you for this day. Now, Lord, we're going to take communion. Lord, those that are going to serve the communion, please come and begin to get it together and begin to pass it out. Lord, we praise you and thank you for this wonderful Word of God that you've given us in the mighty power that's in the wonderful Word, that you tell us everything we need to do to see your glory and to see your power and to see you work. And, Lord, I know there's a whole lot more in there than what I talked about today. But, Lord, continue to reveal it to us. I ask you, Father, just like Paul said in Ephesians 1, I ask you to give these people, all of us, including myself, revelation and wisdom, knowledge and understanding from your mighty Word that we may walk in the fullness of or what you want us to walk in. Father, thank you. As we pass out the communion bread and the drink, I praise you and thank you that you're our God and our Lord and our Savior. Lord, I thank you that sometimes when I cry out to you, Lord, when I spend so many hours on the road and all these things we do, and I cry out to you, Lord, and sometimes, Lord, it takes me hours to crying out to you to get a message to teach the next day. Lord, but I thank you that you always come through. I thank you, Lord, for these messages that you give me. I thank you for blessing us with your word. And, Lord, thank you for your word. And I give you all the praise and the glory and the honor in the name of Jesus. Thank you, sir. Lord, we give you praise and glory and honor and thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we examine ourselves as we take the bread and the wine the blood, the body of our Savior. Lord, if we have any kind of sins, known or unknown, in our life today, we repent of those sins. We promise you we'll walk holy in obedience to your word, that we will be a vessel of honor, a vessel of gold or silver or pure gold and silver that can be used of you for your glory. Lord, we want to be ready at any time when you call us out, whenever there's a need somewhere to bring somebody to Jesus, 
we want to be there so you can use us to bring that person into the kingdom of God. Lord, when there's somebody that needs to be healed and their life needs to be changed, we ask you to use us, Lord, to pray for them effectually and fervently. And may we be and know we're that righteous person so that prayer will be answered by you from heaven and it will be answered and the people will receive a great blessing from you. Thank you, Father. As we confess our sins, all of them, known and unknown, we judge ourselves, Lord, so we won't be judged by you. We cleanse ourselves by the blood of Jesus. And we give you praise and glory and honor for what you do. The mighty salvation you give us, that's a free gift. And Lord, I trust everybody in here knows you as Lord and Savior. If you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, when we get through with this, you come up here and we'll lead you to Christ. We'll show you how to get saved. And also, if you need prayer for anything when we get through this, you come up here and one of our team members will pray for you. And we know God will meet your need. He promised it in His Word. Now, Father, we take this bread. And we give you praise and glory that this is your body. You said those that do not eat your flesh and drink your blood have nothing in you. Well, Lord, we don't want that to be said about us. We want to eat your bread, your body, and drink your blood regularly. So, Father, I thank you for the bread. In Jesus' name, amen. the blood the most powerful thing in the universe the blood that washed away all of our old wicked sins and made us the righteousness of God in Christ if we'll just yield to the king he made us righteous by what he did and when we look to him as our righteousness then we're righteous and then we can speak in his name And we can see Him do today the same things He did when He was here on this earth. He'll do them through you as you lay hands on people. He'll see people coming. You'll see people come under conviction and get saved when you walk holy before Him. The mighty convicting power of the Holy Ghost that's in you will convict people when you're even in their presence will convict them that they need to confess their sin and get right with God. And know Jesus as Lord and Savior. The blood that cleanses us and washes us. Thank you, Father, for the blood. We give you all the praise and glory and honor as we drink this blood. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for what you did when you sent your Son to reconcile the world to yourself and everybody that will believe you and walk with you in obedience to your word can have eternal life. You bore sins. You bore sickness. You removed our disease. And all we got to do is receive all this by faith and walk holy in your presence and speak your word learn how to pray fervently. And we can see you 
do great and mighty things in our life. And we give you all the praise and the glory because only you're worthy and you did it for us and you give it to us as a free gift. We thank you, Father. It's done. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Praise the Lord.